0: Last week I talked about uh, just having come back from a month on retreat and I was very inspired uh, by that time and I thought for today, partly coming out of that inspiration, I would talk to you on the most important of all spiritual topic. What do you think it is? (laughs) <laughs> what what might I be g- going to talk about? Love. 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 Compassion. Compassion. Awareness. 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 Joy. Joy. Impermanence. Hmm? Impermanence. Action, meditation, balance. What? Balance. 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 <laughs> Humor. Well, those would all be great topics. (laughs) And the winner is, (coughs) I have an envelope. I am intending to talk about how we sustain and deepen our practice in our everyday lives. That... um, And of course, that's one reference point. And from that reference point, we would look at all the themes that were mentioned, love and balance and humor and impermanence and so forth. Uh, But from, from one perspective, the most important question is how we actually deepen in love and awareness and wisdom and compassion, uh, given the kind of lives we have in our daily lives. How do we do that? And I was reflecting on that a lot um, towards the end of a month retreat, and it's been a common reflection point for me, and I think for many people, uh, following times of retreat, because the uh, intention, the uh, desire, the urge, to have one's daily life approximate the level of depth that one can find at times in retreat, and the quality of learning, the level of uh, insight. It's a very uh, compelling question, and and yet there there are a lot of challenges, and sometimes it seems for us, even being in Northern California, near Spirit Rock, with a lot of resources that are not there in much of the rest of the country in certain ways. Certainly for those of us who follow these practices, we have, relatively speaking, a lot of support, but still it's a great challenge. And I think of a cartoon that I remember which showed a crossroads, and one sign uh, on one uh, one uh, sign was pointing one direction. It was pointing towards enlightenment, mm-hmm. and the other uh, sign, pointing the opposite direction, was pointing towards daily life. <laughs> <laughs> so, hmm. And I think that there, that for many of us, the. Um, aspiration is strong to deepen and develop in the qualities we named, to deepen and develop in love and wisdom and compassion. And we don't really have a very clear alternative than to try to do it in our daily lives. If you, were, if you are in Asia now, if you were in Asia, or if certainly if you were there at the time of the Buddha, you would have another alternative, which would be the alternative of being a monk or a nun. Or in some traditions, it would be to be drawn to be a shaman, or to be drawn to be a hermit. Or, uh, again, in different traditions, there are are different options. And there are a number of traditions where the deepest sense of spirituality was not necessarily achieved, by leaving ordinary life. And I think, uh, for the most part, not entirely in Jewish tradition, for example, I think it's very much in the context of work and family and so forth. Um, And there are long uh, traditions in uh, many cultures, uh, from indigenous cultures to Hindu, to Christian, to Jewish, to Confucian, where the understanding is that there are ways of expressing spirituality in the midst of everyday life, ordinary life, family, work, community life, and so forth. Um, in Buddhist tradition, and in much of Indian tradition, a main option has been, though, to um, leave the everyday world, You know, as we have in uh, Christian tradition with, the, with the monastic tradition there. And I remember a discussion that I had with a, with a person named Achan Panawato in Thailand uh, uh, over 20 years ago when I had just come from being part of gatherings for, for people who were bringing together uh, meditative work with um, engagement in the world with people, people actually, mostly Asian, all over Asia, but also Westerners. And, I, and then I went to stay at a uh, monastery, um, where the main teacher was uh, was Mahabua, Mahabua, one of the great teachers, recent teachers. I may speak about him, you know, next month. And uh, Chan Panawato said, you know, helping others is all fine and good, but we're here to uproot the defilements, greed, hatred, and delusion. And we don't think that you can do that so well out there in the world. There's too much distraction. There's too much uh, busyness. There's not enough support, he said. And I took that as a kind of a challenge. Because how could... Because uh, the suggestion was that the, the spirituality that we would follow being in the world would be, in a sense, second rate. Right? And I, and I think many of us, feel called to um, a deep... Uh, cultivation of wisdom and love and compassion and somehow doing it in the midst of this world. I think that's really, that vision is also the primary vision that uh, animates Spirit Rock. You know, although we have a connection with monastic traditions and although people may take that route for a period of time, six months, a year, a few years, Um, few, if any, stay in that lifestyle. And so we're all trying to do it somehow. And it's hard. There are a lot of challenges. The Buddha spoke about the everyday life in the world of his time as being dusty and full of tangles. And not such a good place to get to the depths of uh, practice. He said that uh, to go deeply is to go against the stream, is a phrase he used. It's to go against the primary currents of the world and of our conditioning. And that's a big thing. This is from uh, Stephen Batchelor. The Buddha described his teaching as going against the stream the unflinching light of mindful awareness reveals the extent to which we are tossed along in the stream of past conditioning and habit. The moment we decide to stop and look at what is going on like a swimmer suddenly changing course to swim upstream instead of downstream, we find ourselves battered by powerful currents we had never even suspected, precisely because until that moment we were largely living at their command. And so, it's a. You can see from this perspective, it's a very uh, important question to ask. How can my daily life really be a place where I sustain and deepen my practice? And I, I wanted to, um, you know, start by just asking you if you can. Tell me what supports your daily practice. And if you can maybe just say something, just say it very, very briefly, like in two or three words, two or three, four words, what helps you? And you can name anything and just, yeah, please. Coming here, here. being part of a community, please.
1: Having free time and not being so busy.
0: Having free time and not being so busy. And maybe I'll, I like, how many can relate to that? (laughs) Okay, okay, please. Being in a room as a therapist. Being? Being in a room as a therapist. Being in in a room as a therapist. That, that, um, that connects, that becomes a practice. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Please.
1: Meditating at the same time every day.
0: Meditating at the same time every day. Have a regular routine, please.
1: Clearly formulated intentions that I repeat daily.
0: Yeah, clearly formulating intentions that are repeated daily. Yeah, please.
1: Um, I actually look at driving as an
0: opportunity to yeah. practice deeply. Taking uh, driving as a place of practice. <laughs> please. Being in nature. Being in nature, yeah. Um, my yoga and qigong practice. Yoga and qigong, you yeah. yeah. mindfulness of the body in part, yeah. Uh, Others, please. Yeah. Expressing gratitude. Expressing gratitude, yeah. Yeah, so that's, those are great supports. And um, what I'd like to do is actually talk about three levels of um, supports for daily life practice. And I'd like you to listen for the one or two that might resonate the most with you that you'd like to, that would take you a little bit further in the next week that you'd like to commit to for the next week. Right. And I'm going to try, I'd like to have our session today and next week be part of the support, you know, and connect it, as you were saying, Marty, with very clear intentions. So listen, or maybe you have a sense of uh, what would be a meaningful way for you to um, let's, let's say um, bring a little more uh, support for your practice. And it may be, your answer may be, I want to really do every day what I'm already doing a lot. You know, it could be, could be that. So it doesn't, for, so it's really to listen for what your own intuition says is a way if you if this resonates with you, some of you may say, "I have a really busy week next week. Too much happening. It's not the best time to do this experiment or this support." But maybe it is. Okay. So I want to talk about three levels. The first I'm going to call foundational. The second I'm going to call intermediate, and the third I'm going to call advanced. Okay. So we're going to have the advanced teachings today. Okay. And and um, there's going to be a, probably a little bit of arbitrariness as to what goes in what category. But I'm going to share some of what has worked for me, some of what I've, I've um, been aware with, been aware of myself and what I use. So foundational practice is probably familiar for, to many of us. This is what we often mention at the end of retreats. We often mention it uh, in groups like this. Many of the items were mentioned here. But for, for some of us, getting stronger in the foundations may be exactly what calls you right now. Okay? So um, those foundations are first having a daily practice and having a regular daily practice. It's probably the first support that we typically mention in, in these kind of settings. Uh, just having a protected time When you go, we could think of that daily practice or the practice we do here, think of it as a training period. It's a time when you have a protected setting and you train, you practice further in some of the core capacities. And that is essential. And the uh, impact of that training session appears mysteriously often in the rest of the day. What explains that fact that some moment you're walking and you suddenly say, oh, mindfulness. It's mysterious, right? Or you're walking up the stairs and you suddenly come out of a thought train and you're present. You know, it's mysterious how our practice works. So that regular daily practice, part of the foundations, some uh, reading, listening to talks, having some sense of the basic uh, framework of practice, having some greater clarity, about what we're doing, why we're doing it, the cultivation of wisdom or love or whatever whatever we want to call it. Um, a third area that's very fundamental is grounding ourselves ethically. Now remember, traditionally, there were three main areas of training. The first, we could say there's meditation, there's training in wisdom and understanding, and there's training in translating that into everyday action, particularly by following ethical guidelines. And so, for some of us, having that emphasis on ethical guidelines related to not harming ourselves or others, not taking that which is not given, and care around sexuality, speech, and substances with shift consciousness, could be a cutting edge. You know? and and I'll come back actually particularly to speech because I think of that in its depths as a more advanced practice really taking that to taking that to heart a fourth uh, area of uh, support is being part of a group being part of a community so you don't feel uh, alone so you can really feel like I'm doing this with others and these days with cell phones there are apps that you can be part of a group of people, and you can have an app that tells you when one person in the group is meditating.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> all sorts of all sorts of new possibilities. You know, to feel connected, or people people uh, communicate the uh, uh, you know communicate via email. You know, or people might um, let e- you know just support each other in various ways. So finding that kind of support in groups and community. Um, in person, electronically, is very crucial. Not to feel that one is apart from others, not to feel so isolated, and it's really incredible what's happening these days. You know, with, uh, you know we, are, we are doing uh, more video streaming at Spirit Rock, and we have, uh, we, you know, we have people who live in rural Kansas who are part of groups now that are connected with Spirit Rock. Pretty interesting. And can get support that wasn't there ten or twenty years ago you know and I, I know for myself um, there's something that that happens when I go to a place where the you know or a group where my basic values feel supported I know the difference between being in an environment where that's not the case which has sometimes in the past for me been that in that case, at work environments, not necessarily hostile, but more often indifferent, right? And, and to be actually in a location where uh, my own values are affirmed, I find that almost does something to my mind. Something shifts internally, and, and that's really uh, quite important. You know? There's something, I mean, sometimes I've thought of it as I can really more fully be myself in this situation. And so groups are very crucial. And for some of us, it would be to start doing more intensive practice. This is the last uh, support I'm going to mention. To uh, start doing retreats or day longs, to move into a little more intensive formal practice, uh, can be uh, a a great support. Okay. Intermediate level. Okay, What I'm calling intermediate level, I'm going to mention a few things. as we practice more, we start to have a more differentiated set of practices. And and the practices we have are are kind of a cross-training, that we have uh, a way in which we might have loving-kindness practice. We might have a whole series of heart practices. We might be able to practice forgiveness, (coughs) compassion, cultivate the heart, also cultivate mindfulness, (coughs) cultivate wisdom. We might... uh, also be doing psychological work, you know, that we might be seeing the complement between psychological work and our spiritual practice. And, you know, one of the areas that that, where, the, where there's an overlap, is the area I teach a lot on, which is the, the working with the judgmental mind, where we start to see, we start to go more deeply into our own patterns. And we may have a, we may have a sustained connection of psychological work and spiritual work, and we also start to bring our uh, practice more and more into our work, our relationships, our lives in the community, our driving. You know, I was also reflecting this morning, and you know, in preparation for the talk, I was reflecting that. Um, one interesting uh, practice that I've been doing that I think I'm doing a little more clearly since being on retreat is that I take all red lights as an opportunity to come back to mindfulness rather than what's the other alternative for being at red lights? (laughs) Getting, you know, wanting it to change as soon as possible and kind of being a little bit on edge or whatever we call it. And so it's a very interesting practice to say, ah, a red light. <laughs> now, of course, you know it's wise to set up your trip so that you can be here on time <laughs> or be where you're going on time. So that particular practice is best done coupled with wisdom <laughs> and skillful, skillful planning of trips, which is not something that the Buddha talked about. We have to work that one out ourselves somewhat. But, um, but, yeah, so we find, we find these ways to uh, bring mindfulness into the flow of daily life, you know. And we, we may have different practices or habits, you know. Uh, I don't have it now, but for a long time, I would take uh, a walk after uh, lunch when I could, you know, not always possible, and just come back to walking meditation, you know. Or, I remember when I was first studying meditation, I was a student, and I was frustrated by not having enough time for meditation. At a certain point, I was living in Boston, and I didn't have a car, and I walked a lot, and I took public transportation, and I said, I'm going to have all my moments of walking, which were quite considerable, be walking meditation. And suddenly, I had a lot more time for practice. You know, so we might each find ways to bring the mindfulness, the, the practice, into daily lives. Being a therapist, right? You were saying it's some of it. Some some work <coughs> is very very well suited for having mindfulness and loving kindness. Being a therapist or in a helping profession, I think a doctor, a nurse, um, I think is very well suited. You know, being uh, being a teacher, being in some ways helping others, where you can be present. Some. Some of those, uh, those of us who do manual labor also can be quite well suited because we can be more grounded in the body. The hardest work is where we're on the computer a lot. You know, um, doing, having awareness and loving-kindness on the computer falls under advanced practice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, So, um, some others that, are, that come under this intermediate level. Um, One is um, actually looking at the priorities of one's life. And something that happens, I think, at this intermediate level, we start asking, how am I using time? Do I want to surf the internet quite as much as I do now? It's actually a significant issue when I talk one-on-one with people for maybe fifteen or twenty percent of the people it's actually how they use their time how late they stay up which sometimes impacts the opportunity for practice in the morning and for a lot of people that sense of prioritizing becomes actually a very significant part of practice and uh... you know i i reflected last week that for me almost invariably doing retreats i come to the reflection i'm too busy you know and um, and it's true for many of my colleagues, you know, and I think it's some, somewhat endemic in the culture. And probably even for people who are retired. Are there any people here who are, who are retired and not working actively who find themselves too busy? It's interesting, isn't it? Right? How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. um, and so prioritizing and actually having a time to stand back and look, how do I actually use my time? Am I really using my time in service to my deeper values in the way that that I most want. And I find, again, working with people one-on-one, that's a question a lot of people ask. And sometimes it's a question of, what is maybe an old habit from the past? Or what can I drop? Or what is less essential? And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's painful to do. But it's that kind of prioritizing. This is from the Sufi poet Hafiz. We have not come here to take prisoners, but to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. (laughs) Run like hell, my dear. (laughs) I think there's probably, I don't know whether that's a literal translation, but... (laughs) 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 Run like hell, my dear, from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred tender vision of your beautiful heart. So strong language. Run from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred tender vision of your beautiful heart. So we prioritize. Sometimes it's helped by reflecting, and this is a traditional practice, reflecting on impermanence. And sometimes even reflecting on death. Very traditional practice. Can be a practice one does five or ten minutes a day. Traditionally, this was an aid to prioritizing. To bring the fact of one's own impermanence. One's own uh, death into awareness, so that we actually use it not so much to become um, depressed or morbid, but actually uh, to help us be uh, more alive and, and to live according to our priorities. Another uh, intermediate type of practice is what Marty mentioned, working with intentions. Working more and more with intentions and seeing how powerful intentions are as a support for daily life. So, for example, it could mean going to a meeting and saying, I will um, intend to use skillful speech during this meeting. You know, or I will stay connected to my body as much as I can as I speak. You know? Uh, I, I often have gone to meetings and I actually put the guidelines for wise speech on a piece of paper right in front of me and I look at them. <laughs> You know, or I actually had those on the wall near my telephone. And I've, some, I've often told the story of, um, for a period of time, I would look at the uh, guidelines on my wall for skillful speech. Phone would ring, I would say, I'll be truthful, helpful, come from a good heart, good timing, hello. <laughs> you know, things like that, you know, can help. And or just having the intention for a particular activity. You know, and, and the, the intentions don't, do not ensure at all that will actually be that way, but they help. <laughs> right? They help. It might be, before a difficult conversation, I will have an intention for how I'd like to be. Something like that. Or we can set intentions in the morning. Or I mentioned last week, how I love to practice, I love the practice which I do during the retreat in some extent during daily life, where actually I would go to the bench that we established for my father after he died and I would talk with him and he would generally give me guidance which, which were in the form of intentions like today, okay, keep it simple, or keep on going, or just stay present, you know, or something like that. And we can actually work with our own intuitive wisdom voice and I think I may Maybe next week, bring in some guidance on how to do those practices. You know, working with one an inner wisdom guide that can help, help with intentions. A big aid, and I don't know whether this is more intermediate or more advanced, a big support for practice is taking <coughs> challenges as opportunities for learning and practice, rather than as curses and problems. Now this is, again, when we start to do that, our learning accelerates. From the Tibetan uh, Lojong teachings, take all obstacles as the the path of practice. Or there's a line, let's see, this is a line from, also from Tibetan tradition. This is a a traditional phrase. When the sun shines and the belly is full, I look like a Dharma practitioner. (laughs) but when faced with trouble my faults are exposed (laughs) when the sun shines and the belly is full I look like a Dharma practitioner but when faced with trouble my faults are exposed and so we can take actually take difficulties or challenges uh, and we've mentioned this from time to time as another uh, opportunity for learning another opportunity for um seeing something about where I get stuck. And so, again, when we actually have interest in a place where we get stuck or a difficulty, uh, something accelerates. Another practice that I often do, and have I think I've talked about it some in the past, I learned it a long time ago um, when I was um, part of a group called Revisioning Philosophy. I think some of you know in my past, I taught philosophy at universities for seven years. It's like some archetypal number of years. And um, I was part of a group which met at uh, mostly at Esalen, uh, which had some wonderful people connected with it. Uh, uh, Houston Smith, Jacob Needleman from San Francisco State, some of you know. Uh, Susan Griffin was part of it. A uh, lot, of, lot of great people. And... Um, Nonetheless, we found that when we had differences, we see people didn't seem so wise. (laughs) when they had different views. And I remember Robert McDermott, who later became president of CIS, he brought this practice in saying, take the noticing of a difference of views as a starting point for inquiry rather than as a starting point for war. What can I learn from this person? Why am I so negative towards this person's view? You know, what can I learn? What's there in my history that makes me like this? Again, it's not giving up our view per se, but it's, take, it's really taking a challenging situation where we might go into a habitual pattern as learning. So you see, all of these are contributing to daily life being more alive, right? And say, oh, a challenge, right? Now, we have to have a certain degree of stability and confidence before we take challenges as practice, right? That's understandable. So that's why I'm calling it a more intermediate or advanced practice. And then I think there are a lot of ways that we can support ourselves, um, uh, not so much by what we do internally, but by what we might call external supports. You know, and this, we've already mentioned groups, so this might be having further support by groups, with groups. It might be having one person that you check in with once a week or twice a week or you exchange emails with. I know Sylvia for, I don't know if she still does it, but for a long time, she exchanged emails, I think, with Carol Wilson, and they both did it around gratitude practice. So There are all sorts of ways to find further support. I have several times had regular uh, times talking with uh, peers about my own practice. Also in this category would be finding a teacher, working with a teacher one-on-one, or a mentor to help one. And that can really quicken, as you know, that can quicken our, our development. In, in, from psychology, we have the concept of uh, transference. You know, there's some, some energy that gets formed when we work with a mentor that we really respect. Something happens, right? I know when I've been a mentee, I've been really uh, interested in those meetings and it's really, and I've said, I I don't know if I said it quite this way, but I sometimes would say, you know, I'd like to be a little as together as I can be for that conversation, right? (laughs) And so it actually supported practice. Or another kind of support might be, I find, that I'm quite interested in is how does my actual living environment or work environment in terms of the level of beauty, the lack of clutter, how does that support my practice? It's been something I, I have many times, as I've mentioned, after retreats, embarked on campaigns of interior decoration. I, I really like that term, It really. I, I, you know, what is spiritual practice but interior decoration? <laughs> you know? And, and so, for me, that's actually been quite significant because I find an environment that, in a sense, um, supports simplicity, beauty, really... Uh, lack of clutter helps my mind be less cluttered. And what is my external environment but an expression of my own mind, right? And so that can be a, a real interest for people. Um, OK. Advanced. Ready? <laughs> A few things for advance. And again, a little bit arbitrary to classify these in advance. And I'm actually pro- I'm trying to mention some main themes. I probably could take 10 weeks and go through a whole list, you know. And I mentioned that when I did the book, The Engaged Spiritual Life, I had a section of the book called 60 Ways to Develop Mindfulness in, in Daily Life. And um, I've thought of doing a book on that. But my editor, for some reason... Excise that out of the book. And I agreed. And so it's waiting for proper dispersal. <laughs> and but 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 there are all sorts of, you know, all sorts of practices one can do. And you know, small things, just little things, like, you know, taking a red light as a uh, a time for awareness, or each of us have things. And actually, what fa- one of the pra- um, practices which falls in this latter category, the more advanced, that I have found, is after we've already committed to one or two, you know, 20, 30, 40-minute sessions of formal practice, it's finding a few times during the day, could be two or three or four, where we have short, very short periods where we come back to ourselves. That might be like the walk I took after lunch. So I am come back to walking meditation for 8 or 10 minutes. You know, I, a practice that I do now is if I am eating on my own, I have my eating, I do metta practice. I do loving kindness practice during, during the meal, uh, which is something that came out of retreat experience where I do that a lot. Uh, another practice that I do is I have to, I think I may have mentioned last week, but I have to do knee exercises um, where I put some pressure on my knee and, and put some ice on my knee, little thing just to help my knee. <laughs> and I'm basically in a position where I'm sitting upright and I don't have to really think about anything. And it takes eight minutes and I'm supposed to do it three times a day. Guess what? That's, those are meditation periods right now. So I have th- for a further three eight-minute periods. And so we each might have something like that. It doesn't have to be, it can be just two or three times where you come back to yourself. And I, I find that that becomes a huge thing in daily life practice. Do we have places where we come back to being present and move away from the habitual thinking and move away from that uh, continual, um, just being an automatic, right? That's what we're looking for. Ways that it might be to bring us back into our bodies, might be to do, if you do yoga or qigong, might be to do, okay, I'll do a three-minute period of yoga or qigong, just as a a pause, right? And I come back to myself. And it's not not that it has dramatic results, but it helps. Right? Okay. A few other advanced practices, and maybe I'll mention these more next time. Um, uh, Speech practice can be a practice where when we're speaking and listening, we can be very present. And I'll, I'll give, I've given attention to that in the last year or two, but I'll, I'll bring that up more next time. Grounding in the body, I find if I had to say the single most important advanced practice would be to develop a grounding in the body so there's body awareness that's there a lot during the day. When that's present, we can be there more. And it's a very mental culture, right? We're on electronic devices a fair amount. And again, I'm not going to, maybe next time i will get to computers, <laughs> which is the maybe ultra advanced practice. Um, but staying in the body, very, very crucial. Uh, and again, maybe I'll, I'll say more about that next time. Um, another practice that I've mentioned uh, probably quite often is having a Sabbath practice, having one day a week where you devote to inner work, reflection, slowing down, disconnecting (coughs) from electronics. If it can't be a whole day, have it be half a day. If it can't be half a day, have it be three or four hours. That done regularly, especially if it can be done the same day, can be a pivot for the week. That's the purpose of the Sabbath and the traditions where it's existed, East and West. And so having a Sabbath can be incredibly important and powerful. Okay. Um, let me, at this point, um, ask you to reflect, or no, maybe maybe I'll go into discussion. Um, but let me, actually, I'll, do, I'll, I'll read a quotation, then we'll have some discussion, and then we'll, then I have something at the end that I want to ask you, okay? This is, I think, um, This is, I think, a way of summarizing everything. This is called Hokusai Says. It's a poet named Roger Keyes. Hokusai says, look carefully. He says, pay attention, notice. He says, keep looking, stay curious. He says, there is no end to seeing. He says, looking, look forward to getting old. He says, keep changing. You just get more of who you really are. He says, get stuck, accept it, repeat yourself as long as it's interesting. He says, keep doing what you love. He says, keep praying. He says, every one of us is a child. Every one of us is ancient. Every one of us has a body. He says, every one of us is frightened. He says, every one of us has to find a way to live with fear. He says, everything is alive. Shells, buildings, people, fish, mountains, trees, wood is alive, water is alive. Everything has its own life. Everything lives inside of us. He says, Live with the world inside you. It says it doesn't matter if you draw or write books. It doesn't matter if you saw wood or catch fish. It doesn't matter if you sit at home and stare at the ants on your veranda or the shadows of the trees and the grasses in the garden. It matters that you care. It matters that you feel. It matters that you notice. It matters that you attend to the life that lives through you. Roger Keys. KEYes. <coughs> so reflections or questions or wanting to share maybe your own uh, your own further, ways to uh, sustain and deepen daily life practice? Uh, Marty, please. I
1: just want to uh, offer the three words that Gil Fronsdale parted uh, at the end of a two-month retreat or a one-month retreat, the last three words said by any teacher. It fell to him because he was the head teacher. and He said, okay, these are the three words that I want you to take away with you. Okay, ready. (laughs) Worry is overrated. (laughs) 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 So actually I have found that I have used that so many times (laughs) with people and also with myself. What it does is it helps to keep you grounded in the present, being right where you are dealing with whatever is going on right now in this moment rather than sort of leaning forward into the future of five minutes from now, two hours from now, tomorrow, whatever it is. It just helps Mm. to keep grounded
0: in the present. Yeah, beautiful, yeah, and it's really connected with, you know, we could also say a a core practice is um, dependent on mindfulness, but it's really being familiar with our own habitual, especially negative thoughts. Habitual negative, repetitive thoughts, and um, developing interest in them, and eventually the power to uh, not let them last too long. Yeah. Please. Well, I am um, trying to figure out the meditation. Basic meditation. Yeah.
1: I really enjoy the walking meditation. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed sitting here, and I enjoyed when I could say planning, fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. and parts in the body being very calm. So I felt it was sort of exciting. I had some yeah. uh, ideas about what to write or what to say yeah. know, later on. Is that really where I'm what I'm uh, aiming for or am I aiming for just a, a quietness of mind completely?
0: The the uh, question is is about am I aiming to kind of have a a meditation where my mind is, in a sense, active, noticing what's happening, labeling, planning, remembering, fantasizing, noticing this, noticing that. Or is the aim, really, to have a quiet mind? Uh, The the aim of our practice is to respond appropriately to whatever is happening. And so, um, (coughs) there's a very important role for learning that more, in a sense, active kind of meditation. Some kinds of meditation are quite active. They, they uh, develop certain capacities, like um, the mindfulness in which we label, use a label, which is one technique, we label planning, remembering, and so forth, is a very skillful tool that helps us to see more clearly what the whole range is of our experience, to notice it, to not be taken away by it, to have some way of, we might say, observing or being a witness to what's there. And when things are happening, when a lot is happening, which can often be the case in daily life, that is extremely helpful. If i am just had a difficult conversation with someone, my mind's going all over the place, I notice my body, and I think, my mindfulness can tell me, you're angry. And that is extremely helpful from a certain point of view, obvious, but not always so obvious. And so, um, on the other hand, the direction of practice does lead to a certain uh, quieting of our habitual mind. And so, uh, you know, there's one of the models that the Buddha gave was the model of the seven factors of awakening. That is, the qualities of mind that develop as we become more awake. And one of them is inquiry, which is this more active practice. Interestingly, half of them are more energizing and active, and half of them are more stabilizing and more quieting. And so there's really that balance. And as the practice develops, we work through some of our habitual tendencies and we actually can be more quiet. So that the awake mind tends to be quiet, but sometimes the quiet means that there can be a lot happening, but there's just like no reaction. Yeah, interesting. That's a great question. Thank you. Any sharings of what you find, you find helpful, or anything, any of the techniques that I mentioned, or approaches that you want to hear more about for your own purposes, please. I had some challenges this week working with people that I work with in a one-on-one level. Yeah. And Yeah. So that I can stay focused and stay centered. Yeah. Yeah. So having uh, more tools for staying focused and centered <coughs> in the midst of challenges—that is one of the great fruits of our practice. You know, it really changes so much. Yeah. Okay. Then I want to. I want to. Um, here's. Here's what I want to ask. Uh, We'll close with this. Um, Just reflect for a moment right now. If you have to... um, If you have... if if, If this resonated with you, our session, and you'd like to use the group as a support for some further deepening in the next week, I'll invite you to reflect on one or two intentions which you'd like to bring in in the next week, which would take you a little further. Maybe, and again, it could make use of any of the tools or techniques that were discussed. So if you have to consider, and if this doesn't resonate with you, if you think I'm doing fine enough anyway, that's fine. But it may be that you might just say, okay, what one thing would I like to focus on next week? Might be, okay, every red light. <laughs> or, I will take challenges this week in a different way, something could be that. Or I will try to be connected to my body a little bit more, something like that. So just reflect on what that might be, again, very personally. One or just one or two. And now I'll invite you, if you wish, to speak your intention to the group. Uh, Just in maybe uh, three or four words, if possible, so so we could have a few people speak. And I'll mention that intentions expressed publicly take on more power. (laughs) Because someone, well, for the obvious reasons, some obvious reasons, Seth, some less obvious. Okay, anyone like to share? You can just speak up, you don't have to maybe uh, ready. Mindful speech. Mindful speech.
1: Tune into my
0: body. Tune into my body. Quiet,
1: <clears throat> quiet time in the midst of busyness.
0: Quiet time in the midst of busyness.
1: Taking challenges as learning opportunities.
0: Taking challenges as learning opportunities. Beautify. (laughs) (laughs) Prioritize. (laughs) Prioritize.
1: Maintain curiosity.
0: Maintain curiosity. Beautiful.
1: Look more closely at where fear underlies anger.
0: Look more closely at where fear underlies anger. Acting with compassion. Acting with compassion. Finding time for practice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Setting limits. Setting limits, yeah. Please. Showing loving-kindness to myself. Showing loving-kindness to myself, yeah, yeah. Maybe one or two more?
1: Do yoga during the day.
0: Do yoga during the day. Formal compassion practice.
1: Focus on opportunities for awareness.
0: Focus on opportunities for awareness. Come back next week. Come back... (laughs) Come back next week. (laughs) Okay, And in uh, supporting these intentions, it can be very helpful just to, maybe at the beginning of the day, just to remember them. Maybe you can write them down, put them on your refrigerator or whatever you know, whatever means helps you. But it can be helpful to really have a way of recalling the intention every day. That, that will make a difference. And then just let whatever unfolds, unfold. But that's great. So we'll just end by um, asking that may these um, wonderful intentions be supported by the fact of them being brought up in our in our group and heard, and may all the unexpressed intentions also be supported very strongly. May the intentions have fruition, and may they support our own Cultivation of wisdom, of compassion, of love. And may they also extend outward to be helpful to others, ultimately to all others. So, thank you so much. and. Look forward to next week. And we can know that uh, uh, people in this group are all, we're all supporting each other, that everyone is bringing forth, or most of us are bringing forth these intentions. (coughs) And that you're very much connected with everyone else doing that. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit